You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Today's episode is sponsored by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. My name is Mary Clark. You can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, who you can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Thursday edition of the Crosscheck, we'll check in on the Colorado Avalanche, who have had a very impressive last few weeks. The NHL also had its first major trade before the, before next week's deadline, so we'll dig into where Kyle Palmieri ended up. Plus, we have an interview with Mike Johnson, former NHL player and current analyst for TSN, to talk trade deadline and broadcasting in a pandemic. So, Andrew, before we start off today's show, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We had a good morning, biked the kids to daycare. It's beautiful outside. I'm just trying to look on the other side of this pandemic here, think of like planning things out. You know, we've got uh, vaccines coming in finally in Canada. So I'm, I'm just in a good mood this morning. I, I want to go back outside. As soon as we're done this podcast, I'm going to eat lunch and then I'm going to go back outside. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm going to eat lunch once we're done this podcast and I'm going to sit outside and read for a little bit. I've been doing a lot of work these past couple of days, so I really want to take advantage of, you know, the nice weather. Uh, so Are you that's... reading Warrior Cats, Mary? No, I'm not. Not like Marissa <laughs> and Jemmy is, I'm sure, at the moment. No, I'm reading um, the fantasy book series called the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson. It's an older series, but a friend, you know, recommended it to me. And Brandon Sanderson's a big fantasy author. I'm big into fantasy books. So what can I say? I'm all in on that type of stuff. So yeah, I I love fantasy novels as well. Yeah, it's been pretty good. I'm on the third book right now. But currently, we have a team on the rise. And you would think it'd be like a fantasy based on how they yeah, based on based on how their last couple games last couple weeks actually went except for wednesday night which we'll talk about but of course right after we wrote up we're going to talk about the colorado avalanche what happens mary what what happens they lose they lose big time to the minnesota wild and it's definitely all our fault but colorado's (laughs) resurgence up until wednesday they hadn't lost a regulation game since march 8th they were undefeated in regulation for the last 15 games until they were defeated by the wild wednesday night and blown out on top of that uh they have a four-point cushion at the top of the West, and they're only second to the Maple Leafs at the top of the NHL. Right now, the Colorado Avalanche are dominating the league, minus, you know, last night's loss to the Wild. So what are we feeling about the Avalanche right now, Andrew? I think this is the team that I expected them to be. Uh, like, you look at their lineup, and just on paper, and on paper is always, you know, it's on paper for a reason, right? Yeah. It's not on the ice, but they looked like the team that had the depth at every single position. And you were just like, who's going to beat this team? Uh, the only question mark I had was, you know, if Philippe Grubauer was going to be better than last season and if he could stay healthy and he's been pretty good this year until last game <laughs> yeah. he allowed, I think he allowed like seven goals on 18 shots or something like that. Yeah, like, that sounds about right. And he was in the Vesna conversation before that. So like, <laughs> I mean, My mantra is always you learn the least about a team during a blowout for Mm -hmm. or against because like sometimes crazy things happen in a single game. So you kind of have to look at the forest for the trees and the avalanche have surged at five on five. They were like mid tier good for the start of the season where they like weren't really winning games, but they were still like above 50% expected goals for now they're at 60.5%. They're 4% better than any other team. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, even just like on the regular and like statistics side, they have a staggering plus 45 goal differential. That's yeah. like the, that's humongous for where we're at currently in the league. And I mean, they're definitely being um, like buoyed by Nathan McKinnon, who has 47 points in 35 games, 15 goals. Mika Rantanen with 46 points in 39 games. And he has 22 goals. So they're they're really starting to get that offensive power going. And I know that like the beginning of the year was kind of, so so average i guess you would say it's not bad but they definitely i don't think they had the start they probably would would have wanted but they've turned it on now um i mean of course minus the loss last night but they were probably going to have to come back to earth eventually you can't just keep winning games in the same way buffalo couldn't keep losing games so i guess are we kind of finally really seeing the who the true avalanche are after that like less than ideal start from them yeah, I, I think so. I, I think that like obviously they're not as good as winning 
or like not losing for 15 straight games. No team in the NHL in the salary cap era with all the parity is quite that good. But this is a team that can play any style that you want to play. And they have the depth at forward and defense that like, oh, you shut down Nate McKinnon. Well, they're just going to come at you. And you know what? Surprise. Kale McCarr is basically a forward. So he's going <laughs> to score instead. Like, it's just an embarrassment of riches. Like some, I, I forget half the time that they have Nazem Kadri on that team. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it's unbelievable how stacked they are and how well they were able to put this together. And I remember when Joe Sackett was first named GM, I don't even remember what the moves were that he made, but I was like, is this guy like, does he have, a plan like what's going on here and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah actually he has a plan he might be the best gm in the league yeah i this is I, we're finally seeing who the avalanche are i mean i know that last year's playoffs were disappointing to them because of the injuries and goaltending and stuff like that um and obviously they're not going to be able to continue at this high rate of a clip but i really think we're actually starting to see them jive and since the trade deadline is coming up i i think that puts them in a good position to maybe make a move at the deadline i don't know if that's possible for them uh but it definitely sets them up in a good situation considering they're rolling and we've got like what a month left of the season a little bit over a month i think left of the season so yeah they they have some uh, like not a lot of cap space but they have some cap space and they have uh eric johnson on long-term injured reserve as well so they could theoretically you know snug right up to the cap and then Mm -hmm. go over it by as much as six mil. I don't know when he's due back, but Eric Johnson has spent so much time on the injured reserve in his career. It seems like it's just, he never expect him to play. Right. And he's in years past, he would have been a big part of their, their defense, but now they've got Kale McCarr and Sam Girard, who are both like legitimate Norris contenders, Devon Taves, Ryan Graves and Bowen Byram, who are all really solid. And then Jacob McDonald, who like, I honestly didn't even know who he was before this year. <laughs> and he's really solid. Like he's really yeah. good. And I, I think they have like a really smart plan essentially for how they built their team out. Like they have their three, uh, maybe two star players at forward and Nate McKinnon, and Miko Rantanen. And then they just filled the middle of their lineup with really good two way players. You know, Brandon Saad doesn't score like he used to, but good two way player Burakovsky. Great two-way player, scores a good amount in a good year, but sometimes underperforms a little bit on the, the goal-scoring perspective. Nazem Kadri, good, good two-way player. Judas Donskoy, good two-way player. J.D. Comfer, Matt Calvert, Nick, Valerie Nikushkin. Like, all these guys help you at both ends of the ice, mm-hmm. and I just, I'm just i thrilled by the roster construction that they've been able to pull off. Some of it's through drafting, some of it's through trades, free agency, like, they've just really tapped every well that they can to create what, in my opinion, is the best roster in the league. Is there anything you would add to them at the trade deadline? Since we're going to talk about this in a few moments. So the major trade happened in the NHL on Wednesday night, but is there like, can you see them adding something at the deadline? And I guess, what would that be? I mean, I'm cheating here because we we've already (laughs) chatted with Mike Johnson a little bit, which you'll hear later in the show, but I I have to agree with him. Uh, It is the obvious spot. They need to find some backup for Philippe Grubauer. Um, Mm -hmm. There's just not enough experience behind him. And yeah. And they don't want a repeat of last year too. Yeah. And it's unfair to expect him to get injured just because he was injured last year, but at the same time, you now know that it is a possibility. You've seen what happens when Philippe Grubauer Mm -hmm. goes down. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. It, it's the main reason why the Dallas Stars were, were able to knock them out. And uh, I I just can't see them going into the playoffs without addressing that situation because there mm-hmm. are goaltenders available who you don't need somebody who's going to be great. You just need somebody who can you just need somebody the there. Fort. You just need yeah. Yeah, to hold the fort down, you know, make sure that the, what happened last year doesn't happen to them again, because they really do seem to be primed for a deep playoff run. I mean, of course, anything can happen within the next month before the playoffs start, but it really does look like they've hit their final form, as we would like to say. It sure looks like it. Yeah. So speaking of trades in the trade deadline on Wednesday night, we got our first major trade trade before the trade deadline. Canadians fans were upset at you for saying that it was the first major trade, right? They're sticking to the Eric Stahl. Thing. Okay. Well, <laughs> in my mind, there's usually one major domino that falls in like yes, the days absolutely. leading up to the trade deadline. And yeah. I don't know what's been going on since we started recording this podcast, but it's usually one in the days before. I'm sorry to Canadians fans, but the Eric Stahl trade doesn't count because it's been a couple weeks since then. You guys are just going to have to deal with it. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take my comments on Twitter. 
But going back to this, on Wednesday night, the Islanders picked up Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for left winger A.J. Greer, center Mason Jobst, a 2021 first overall pick, and a 2022 conditional fourth round pick. The Devils also retained 50% of Palmieri and Zajac's salaries alongside that. Uh, so I guess, Andrew, your thoughts on the trade? Um, for me personally, this was really fun to see because not only does it gives the Islanders, you know, some much needed depth um, after Anders Lee is out for the season, but it re- re- reunites Palmieri and Zajac with Andy Green on the Islanders that Lou is really collecting those former devils. It seems. Yeah. He's getting the gang back together, right? Yep. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's very interesting, but you know, I, I really like this trade for, for the Islanders. Um, you know, Cal Palmieri is the one guy who was available on, who was on like the, all the trade bait boards that really stood out to me as like a great two way forward. And it, you know, on the wing, you're obviously have less responsibilities than at center, but he's, he's, he can do everything. He, like we talked about on the last podcast, he can fit into any system. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to fit in really well in long Island. I, I think he's going to, I don't know if he necessarily replaces Anders Lee because Anders Lee is kind of the same mold of uh shooter as Brendan Gallagher in that he likes to be right at the net front and Palmieri is more of a middle distance guy. So like, he's not a, a perfect like slot him in and you've replaced that guy that you've lost situation, mm-hmm. but he adds scoring. He adds playmaking. He adds defense. Like he is an all tools player. Even if he's having a bit of an off year, I think this is a really good ad for them. Yeah. And I mean, not only that, but they, the Islanders also didn't give anything major up in return. I mean, it's just draft picks. And if Lula Marillo thinks that this is their year, it, why not go for it? I mean, they really do. They've been, you know, tops in the, in the East for some time. Um, and it's been fascinating to see that they really haven't like wavered from that. They've only like increased their standing. I mean, I remember, Earlier in the season, we were we were kind of thinking, oh, maybe the Islanders, are, you know, will drop off. But right now, they're currently tied with the Washington Capitals for first place in the East at 54 points each, and both have the same games in hand. Um, and the Islanders also have a positive goal differential of plus 28. So the, their system is clearly still holding. Um, Barry Trotz's system is clearly still holding, even without Anders Lee. But now adding both Palmieri and Zajac to it really solidifies that they're going all out for this year. Yeah. And the Islanders are a team that I like, I don't want to believe in just mm-hmm. philosophically because they're super boring to watch a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Islanders fans, but I you, know. you know, it's true. You know it in your heart of hearts. That yeah. True. And you know, and for Islanders fans, winning is way more fun to watch than losing and playing yeah. high scoring hockey. So mm-hmm. I get it. I a hundred percent get it. But for, you know, impartial observers, the <laughs> Islanders play a choking defensive style that while they can score a fair amount, uh, that's not in question. Uh, it, it's just frustrating to watch uh, at, at times. They like break the fun out of games. Yeah. And that is effective. I'm not saying it's not. They're a mm-hmm. fantastic team. But yeah, they, they are third in the league in expected goals. <laughs> like <laughs> they are a really dangerous team. Yeah. Um, I remember in the playoffs last year, the Flyers faced them. And it just was, it was a series that, killed my soul but it was probably very fun for islanders fans to watch because the flyers didn't play well and the islanders just capitalized and you know checked them at every opportunity and it was it was a hard-fought series and i i really think that with these moves they really do have the potential to maybe make it out of the east i mean i don't know if this sets them up as like the favorite in the east at the moment but it they're the first team to do anything of like the big players and like the capitals the penguins and the bruins who are still really in the playoff hunt and but on the opposite side though the devils add some organizational depth and also get another first round pick in addition to their own so i think that even though the devils gave up a lot for just you know future stuff down the line i guess that was probably the best thing for them since there were nowhere near they're nowhere near being able to compete so giving them yeah you know some assets down the line will help them i guess build up a bit of a bigger prospect pool and maybe a better team down the line. Well, and as obvious as it is to like impartial observers, I think it's always tougher for general managers to like accept that their team is far away. Yeah. So trading away guys like Palmieri and and Zajac who've been devils for a long time is obviously going to be a bit of a tough thing to do. Yeah. And you got to give them a little bit of credit for, for uh, going through with it. Um, selling off is the wise choice for the devils. 
um, in absorbing extra salary, I think they made it more palatable uh, for for the Islanders and probably move that pick up to a first round pick from a second round pick. Hopefully they make bank on it because the devils need everything they can. I mean, their cupboards aren't bare. They've got players coming, but they're also, you know, the lineup right now is just not competitive in, in this league. Yeah. They need some more, they need more homegrown talent to really help fill in the gaps for them. And we'll see if it works out, especially because of the draft this year being kind of like, a toss up since nobody's really scouted anything, but yeah. And I think as much as also like Jack Hughes is better than I think a lot of people expect, like said he was last year. Like I I thought his play was relatively strong. He hasn't proven yet to be like a big time offensive driver Mm -hmm. that you expect from a first overall pick. So they need to surround him with a lot more talent and they need to do it pretty quickly because you want to get competitive as soon as you can, when your best players are young, right? Mm -hmm. No, makes sense. All right. Coming up next, we've got an interview with Mike Johnson, former NHL player, current analyst at TSN. Stay tuned. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast with the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. We're here with a very special guest, a friend of mine and NHL veteran, TSN uh, in-studio analyst and color guy. It's Mike Johnson. How you doing? I am doing very well. Yes, veteran makes me feel old. It's been a long time. It's funny. I'm, I'm so far removed from playing now. It's been 12 years since I was in the NHL that it like... I almost see myself more of a broadcaster than, than, a, than a former player. Um, I think it's been a long time, but yeah, uh, I'm doing well. Listen, I'm, I'm pleased that we are here. Like we know there's a very serious situation going on in Vancouver and we, we're not going to, you know, you cannot diminish that at all, but you know, I'm pleased we're 40 games into the season. And for the most part, you know, the season's going on. I mean, it's tricky and it's, I'm sure it's not fun for the players, but I guess I'm happy that we've gotten this far and, I think the American teams are all kind of being vaccinated. So it looks like we should be able to see this to a conclusion, which I don't know if we all would have been confident of us being able to do that to start the year. Yeah. It was definitely touch and go there for like when the when Dallas stars and the Buffalo Sabres yeah. had their little outbreaks there. And it seemed like it got wrapped up relatively quickly. The Vancouver situation scares me a little bit just because they're dealing with that new variant and you know, who knows how crazy that can get. And apparently I was actually just reading the other day that uh, friends of mine from Newfoundland who were working in Alberta were notified by like the Newfoundland government that there was that variant in their workplaces, but they weren't notified by the Alberta government and the people who mm. were, who live in Alberta weren't notified. So it was like people from out of province were getting yeah. the information quicker. It's just, Sometimes the, the gap in information and uh, messaging between the provinces, it, it worries me in like how quickly things are going to get handled. And yeah, it's yeah, good that Vancouver is shut down it's, for now. It's scary for Vancouver to hear about young guys getting sick and we know hospital rates. We don't want to do all doom and gloom, but it's a scary time. Like my kids are back at home now doing their school one more mm-hmm. time here in Toronto. We're on another month long stay, stay at home order, not even a lockdown. It's a stay at home order. So, um, you know, we're all kind of grinding along. Vaccines are, are getting better. I've seen in Montreal, it's like 50 plus or 55 plus and kind of like, you know, hopefully better days are ahead. So that's, uh, we're all kind of hanging in for that. Yeah. And speaking of better days, we got the trade deadline coming up and I think it's, it's an exciting time most of the time uh, for the NHL. And this year, I think there's a little bit of trepidation because people don't know how busy it's going to be, but it seems like things are starting to pick up a little bit. Kyle Palmieri got moved uh, along with Travis Zajac. What were your thoughts on that trade? Do you think that's a good fit for the Isles? So you, you, there's trepidation. It's absolute downright terror that it's going to be a quiet day <laughs> because I think I'm in studio at eight in the morning on oh. air at TSN Ooh. and we are on till 6 PM 
and then on and on and on later in the night. So, you know, yes, please don't make any trades until trade deadline day because we'd like something to talk about. Um, you know, I, I think this is something, unfortunately for us, that we're seeing more and more of going forward is that teams kind of, if you can afford it, which is a big if, jumping on trades a little bit earlier, week, 10 days, two weeks. One, it gives guys more time to get acclimated to your team and kind of hit their get their stride prior to the playoffs. And also, it, you know, it, it, it takes you out of that frenzied idea. If you're the Islanders and you have to replace Andres Lee and you have the money sitting there and Kyle Palmieri goes somewhere and Taylor Hall goes somewhere and all of a sudden you're thinking, we got to get somebody. We're not going to, we don't want to give up a first rounder from Michael Granlin, but like we need somebody. And, and it takes you out of that kind of frenzied moment where maybe, you know, you might be in, make a bad decision. So we're probably seeing more and more of that. I think Lou Lamorello's relationship with Travis Zajac kind of encouraged Travis to waive his no trade and, and move to the Island. I think also the fact that, you know, from Jersey to the Island, those guys, they don't have to move. They don't have to move their, their house. Like they can just, it's a longer commute, but they can still live at home. Their families don't have to be uprooted, which is significant, especially this time and this year where, you know, family and being at home is, is more important than ever. So, um, I guess I'm not surprised it happened early. I'm not surprised that Paul and Mary went to the island. I think I've talked about that. I think a lot of people speculated as that a, as a good fit. I mean, in, in Paul Mary, you get a guy, even in his down year, which this year might be, he's, he's averaging on pace for like 20 goals and 25 assists. And it's not been a great year for him personally. He's kind of a good for 25 goals and 55 points. Skates fast. He can score from distance. Uh, he's not going to hurt you defensively, which I think matters to the Islanders. Like they can't go get Mike Hoffman mm-hmm. and say, Oh, just score goals. And don't worry about what you're doing. Like you have to play a certain way to fit in on that team. And I think Paul Mary of all the wingers, Taylor Hall included, he's probably the best fit of a guy who can play within the context of a system, but also use his skills to, to try to be productive. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think the biggest takeaway for me beyond what it does for the Islanders on the ice is that kind of feels like it's going to be, a buyer's market, like the, the Islanders got the devils to pick up half their salaries and all they had to do was get two players back. They took up half their salaries and they gave them no real prospects. Those guys aren't really NHL prospects and a late, late first round pick. Like you had to get two, two good players, including maybe the best player available and eat their salary to get a late first round pick. So the idea that first rounders are going to be flying around this, this Monday, probably not accurate. Yeah, and that, that's kind of surprising because this is kind of a year where first-rounders might have less value, right? Because there's less scouting available. Uh, you know, a lot of players are playing either limited or not at all. Uh, you're not really able to send scouts out, like, traveling around. So it, it might be a situation where somebody who would have had a breakout year this year and moved up into the first round might be available in the second round, third round. So there's a lot more right. uncertainty. So you'd think that it, if it were more of a seller's market, there'd be first-rounders flying all over the place. But like you said, doesn't appear to be the case unless See, like I, somebody goes crazy. Like Nashville, Pred- the Nashville predators did years ago with like a first rounder from Paul Gostad kind of thing. Right. That seems that that is not going to happen this year, but see, like I'm thinking about the draft this year. And if I'm running a club, I almost think that first late first rounders this year have more value because the uncertainty around the draft. So like, you know, the 25th pick overall, my draft lift might be completely different than your draft draft lift because we haven't seen the guys. Like we don't know how they've developed to the same extent. So your your point is well made, but I would think that would make late round picks super valuable because mm-hmm. because there, there's not a real book and and the opinions on players might be so spread out that you can have you know teams seeing players in entirely different lights. So um, it's another element uh, of this this coming on Monday as is the expansion draft, which I think, you know, people will be like, why would they take that goalie? Why, like, you know, teams are already trying to make their expansion draft lists and, and making sure they don't acquire, you go trade for Ricard Raquel. Well, he's got another year on his contract. That's another player you have to protect. Right. And you have to bump someone that you were planning on protecting and the numbers start to change. So, um, you know, that's all part of the, the big picture they're trying to take into consideration. So maybe it won't be a slower deadline than normal, but there'll be a lot of like little bit trades to set Probably. things up for mm-hmm. Bump, the expansion yeah. draft. And you'll have to have uh, James Duthie bring another monkey out. Listen, Maggie might be coming out of retirement, I, whatever <laughs> it takes, whatever it takes. And then it's going to be a different kind of day because I don't think we're going to have quite as many people in the studio 
because right. of the reality of the world. And so, you know, Ferraro was coming in from Vancouver and I think Craig Button is going to be in Calgary. Like people will be spread all over the country. Um, there might only be like four or six people in the, in the main studio as opposed to the 25 that we would have on a normal, on a normal day. Are you used to it yet? Broadcasting from distance? Like you're not like sitting as close and it's like, yeah, looking around I mean, more. Yeah. I mean, you're used to it cause we've done it. I don't like it. It's not as good, but I mean, we can, we we're, we're proficient at it. Um, there's certainly moments where I might be calling a game off, off a of monitor and I'm in, I'm in Toronto and, and the Habs are playing in Vancouver. And I'm like, you kind of have to hedge your analysis because you're not quite sure what happened. You might have to wait till you see a replay or two before you get a real feel. And even in that replay, you're watching, you know, on a TV, the size of your, of your computer screen. Like it's hard to kind of appreciate or if someone's hurt behind the play and we're talking about something else completely, it's not like we're ignoring what happened. We didn't know he was hurt because we can't see him lying on the ground. So, um, you know, it has been a challenge. There's been some technical stuff happen um, that maybe people at home don't realize, but as a broadcaster, you, you know, it can be frustrating, but we're making the most of it as we can. I'm happy that I do get to go to Montreal and call games in Montreal still. Um, but it almost is bittersweet because you know, I was in Montreal when Eric Stahl scores overtime, first game, overtime winner. And I just like, you, you can transport yourself back if you can remember that far back what that building would have felt like. Oh yeah. Breaking in that moment, like game overtime losing streak. Right. Like it's not even like what it would sound like. What would it would feel like? Mm -hmm. And I am like, and I am as impartial as any broadcasters. I don't care who wins. I really don't care who wins. I'm there to do my job and make it entertaining and whatever, but like, it's still fun to feel stuff. Still Mm -hmm. fun to be, have a moment and feel the crowd. And, and I think that's the, uh, the other hard part for me as a broadcaster, I can't even imagine Andrew as a player, you know, that kind of hollowness that the buildings the have yeah. <laughs> with the fake crowd noise and the tarps and everything else um, when there's a moment, because um, that's what we kind of live for. That's what you remember. Well, it must feel like especially empty if you're a player and you do something like spectacular. Yeah. You know, like the Eric Stahl OT winner or just like this crazy goal that, you know, would have lit Carey your Price, on two fire. pad stack, barrel roll, loses his helmet. Like the carry chance and the, like just the insanity that would be pouring out on the ice that you could you know, I've been in that building. I played in those games. Like you can feel it. You can feel the energy of the, of the people. And um, yeah, it would, it, it's, it, it's great that they're playing, but it sucks to be an NHL player this year. Like think yeah. about like you're getting paid. I'm not talking about that stuff, but the NHL experience of, you know, being able to travel around the whole league, being able to play in different cities, playing in front of buildings, going out for dinners with your friends, like, you know, having a beer after the game. Like this is the stuff that, that is also a real part of the fabric of, of being a player. And none of that gets that. You get to like what play and go back to your room and what, play video games. Yeah. Like, what do we like? It's, 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 it's not, it's not the same. Yeah. I mean, I'm even thinking about like the Stanley cup final and like the playoffs last year, it really did feel like an entirely different game. Of course, I, I got used to it after a while. I think hockey translates very well to that type of thing. But I it really was a different experience. And like you said, it's it must feel incredibly different for these players. And I know it's difficult to, you know, broadcast. It all comes with the different challenges and stuff. But yeah, as, as a player, it probably is a incredibly different and harrowing like experience to, you know, not have anybody react to plays on the ice. I mean, you get the fake crowd noise and all, but that's nowhere near the same. When I remember yeah. I got used to it in the playoffs until the Lightning won the cup. Oh, and then when yeah. it was just like to watch a team win the cup, it's one thing to mm-hmm. win it in like an opposing team's barn, right? And mm-hmm. you still have some reaction. You have like some te- fans that traveled, but there's like maybe some scattered boos and then like the courtesy clap of good sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. But when there's just like nothing, yeah, that it was, was weird. So awkward. Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. That and the Stamkos goal moment. I mean, that yeah. those are like the two big moments that stick out for me because the Stamkos goal moment is just an incredible story to see that happen and there not be like any reaction other than the broadcasters and then also the players on the ice. It was, yeah, something like yeah. that. And also with the Stanley Cup being awarded, that it, there really is a stark difference. Yeah, I was I was in the building for the for the for the Stanley Cup final win game, whatever that game was for Tampa to win. And um, and I, I was watching closely. And for a second, guys, for like 
eight seconds after the buzzer went off, it felt normal. Like they piled out <laughs> there, they're celebrating. Like you could hear the whooping and the hooting and hollering. And then it was like, oh, <laughs> and then yeah. it got real empty and, and quiet. But um, take nothing away from the win. They earned no, no. it. It was not oh, easy. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think we are all players, fans, media, the people that are involved in the game. We're all looking forward. And maybe we've been starved a little bit in Canada. Like I would take 4,000 people so bad right now. Like I would love <laughs> Like it would you can have like them a, in the United States right now. You can have them. Like, I, like they, they get them. We're not even getting like a little dribble mm-hmm. in Canada. Yeah, I uh, I'm here in the United States at the moment, so I definitely see the you know four thousand crowds in mm-hmm. uh, in games and stuff. It kind of concerns me a little bit because you know you're inside something like yes. baseball. Um, I think is a bit more, I guess, safer. I really can't talk. I personally got the vaccine, so I'm you know doing Good. all right at the moment but like i i don't know how it is for other people and i just i guess i guess i just worry because you know we're we can see the light at the end of the tunnel i just don't want us to you know trip at the finish line and you know mess mm. up and be in this for another year speaking of tripping at the finish line well, one thing we wanted to ask you because we we talked about it on the last podcast a little bit the nashville predators they seem to be you know on fire right now uc sorrows is start stopping everything which seems to be the only time that they win and you're starting to hear rumblings in like national media of them making a, like a big trade at the deadline. Like uh, I've seen some people speculate they could acquire Taylor Hall. And I, I look at that team and what they put on the ice and what they've accomplished the last few years. And I just don't understand why you would buy. What do you think, Mike? Do you think, do you think they have a run in them? Do you think they can come out, like make a run in this uh, crazy year or like, they just don't look like competitors to me. No, we'll see. And I think this is such a hard question for GMs to answer. And they, every one of those bubble teams have to answer, like, what is the value of making the playoffs versus, you know, trading away and getting assets? And, and, and what is a successful season? Like winning a Stanley Cup, of course, but Nashville is not going to win a Stanley Cup this year. I am very confident in saying that, no matter what they do. Like, they have to play Tampa and Carolina. Yeah, good luck. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, it's just not going to happen. So, you know, is this latest run driven by UC Soros and a crazy save percentage? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, so you have to be honest with yourself, brutally honest at times. And, um, you know, but it's not my money, right? Like, let's say they make the playoffs. They get some fans in the building. Like, I don't know what those games are worth in Nashville. A million, two million dollars each. Like, you know, getting some money for your owner is not a bad thing either. And for David Poyle, he's kind of pot committed to playoff path with this group right with all the money he spent and the moves that he's made it's not like it's easy to transition out of this direction and go we're going to go into a rebuild because like that's not how his team has been set up so i do understand the attractiveness to it if i could be impartial and like take yourself out of those external pressures of 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 money and and ownership like the, the better decision for them is to trade trade their players and start to to reboot this thing but it would not surprise me at all. If Taylor Hall ends up in Nashville. I know that they were in on him last summer. Never quite came together before he went to Buffalo. But John Hines and him, of course, have the relationship from New Jersey. Um, someone's going to take Taylor Hall. And I, I hope for Taylor Hall's sake, he just gets a new lease on life, being out of Buffalo and just kind of can settle in and, and be you know, a really good player because, God, it's be a tough grind to be him the last little bit. Yeah, I'm really hoping that Taylor Hall, the rumors of him going back to Edmonton are true. <laughs> I, I, just, I would love to see a Taylor oh, Hall like, resurrection tour in Edmonton. Like, well, Andrew, you know what the thing is? Like, I think the perception of Taylor when he left Edmonton was that he was somehow a bit of a bad teammate or, yeah. or a bad guy or a party. Like, you know, like somehow not, you know, a, a quality citizen, let alone player. Totally wrong. Like when you're around the guys that were playing back then, that's not the truth. That's not how he was felt about by the organization or the team. He was a stand, like, certainly he was hard driving. He wanted to be successful, but so was Jonathan Taves. So was Joel Thornton. So are the guys we praise for being great leaders. Um, And he and Connor McDavid are still very tight. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Like they hang out in the summers and the cottages and all the rest of it. So um, it's not out of the question that Taylor would be open to going back to Edmonton. I hope it happens too. I think it'd be fun to watch. <laughs> well, and I know he's not having a great season this year. At, well, I mean, at least defensively, offensively, I think he's been all right. The goals just haven't been going in. He's his shooting percentage is just totally in the tank. But if anywhere is going to light a fire under Taylor Hall's, but you know, like it's yeah. going to be going back to Edmonton and proving everybody wrong. Like 
Plus, you're gonna get to play with either McDavid or Drysaddle. That's mm-hmm. I'm, that's, that's heaven, better right? set up than that. Yeah, exactly. You're an offensive player. That's where you want to be. Yeah. I guess outside of Taylor Hall, though, because we just talked about him, is there a trade you would like to see happen at the deadline? Besides, like, like either for a player or for a specific team to you know get them over that hump into contender territory or you know push them further. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think it's not super sexy, but like Colorado has to go get a good backup goalie. Mm-hmm. Has to mm-hmm. because even with a good backup goalie, they can win a Stanley Cup this year. Like they don't have to go get. I don't. There's not even a good starter out there, and I don't know if Jonathan Bernier is going back there. My guy is Linus Olmark because anyone who could have a winning record in Buffalo this year has got to be great. So the fact <laughs> that that guy yeah. has got a winning record makes him. Uh, so like I think they, Colorado's got to go get him because I think Colorado has everything else they need to go win um, a Stanley Cup. So I'll, I'll be watching out for that for sure. Um, uh, I mean, the Islanders made their big move getting Paul Mary. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of it, like we'll have Kucherov coming back to Tampa, like guys that were hurt can come back and be healthy. Um, I also, I'm curious what Montreal does, if anything, with their Brennan Gallagher money. Mm. And, you know, you work the numbers and we talked about Taylor Hall and I know Montreal was also on Taylor Hall's consideration yep. list. And I wonder if they don't say, you know what? And Burge, like... Good poker player because last week it was not doing anything any trades i'm tapped out i mean it's <laughs> dollar in dollar out and in 48 hours all on cole caulfield so i'm like wait a second burge um so like do they what does, does montreal think that there's an opportunity in the north here and use the money that's available because that's as important as anything and go out and go get a quality player that can that can fill in for get brendan gallagher and then when gallagher's back just make their team better perfect All right, we're going to get to more Canadian stuff in a moment. But first, we got to talk about, you know, with trade deadline, there's lots of traveling around. And if you're traveling around, you got to keep your car in good shape. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership when you could go to rockauto.com? You can find all sorts of different brands of the same kinds of parts at rockauto.com, whereas chain stores will only carry one or two. And you can compare pricing, compare quality, and get the best fit for your situation. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is also a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I mentioned before that I might need some new carpets for my car after a bit of a spill getting groceries where uh, a full container of milk was spilled in my trunk, which is, uh, it was not not pretty. Still smells pretty bad, even after a professional (laughs) clean. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need with a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Just open your phone, go to rockauto.com or your computer. It's easy to navigate and easy to purchase. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How do you hear about a section? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. If you're like us, you love everything about the NHL and you're probably into fantasy hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from locked on fantasy hockey, fantasy hockey expert, Scott Cullen. Gives you tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast on the Odyssey app, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mike knows uh, Scott Cullen. You guys used to work together at TSN. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, 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 I've been all into the fantasy hockey stuff. I've been like this whole gambling stuff and fantasy hockey stuff. It's been a whole new uh, part of what I do this year. It's been fun. Yeah, I did the betting stuff for a bit as like a bit of a side gig uh, earlier this year. It, what I found stressful was like telling people what they're going to put their money on, right? Like you don't know if they're going to take your advice or not. But it's like it, when you ever, whenever you get something super wrong that you were really confident in, you're like, oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, that's why I can yeah. never do betting because I, I feel like my predictions are wrong all the time and I do not want to lose money. So I just I, I stick to the people who are smarter than me on that topic. Well, that's yeah, why yeah. that's why gamblers make that's why the gambling companies make money because you're wrong more often than you're right. Like, yeah, but works. I'm smart exactly. not to play into the system. I know. There you go. I know. You're, you're smart enough to know what you don't know. That's that's yep. a pivotal part of life. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and for fantasy hockey, I actually went out on top years ago. I w- was in like four leagues in one year, and it was like the first year that I really got into like uh, like analytics and all that stuff. And I just went like hardcore into it spent a lot of time every day, sent my lineups and all that. And I won three out of four. And I was like, I'm done. Never doing Walk fantasy away. hockey again. <laughs> George Costanza, leave on a high, get out of there. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so Mike, uh, I mean, I went on a bit of a, a rant on Twitter early, I guess it was last week about uh, how much I enjoy watching broadcasts when you're doing color commentary. And obviously I love you in studio as well, but I, we, we talked about like the energy being sapped out of the building, uh, by not having fans in there this year. And do you, do you think it's kind of the broadcasts almost responsibility to bring that energy back in? Because it seems like your love of the game is just fully on display this year. I, I forget which game it was where I was watching where you were calling the Canadians and just like, there were so many times where you were adding good analysis and everything. And then some plays you were just like, Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Oh, look at this thing here. And it was just like, you were so excited. And I was like, I'm having so much fun watching this because Mike's having so much fun and that bleeds through to the people watching it. Do you, is that something that you consciously put in or is it just your love of the game leaching in? Uh, well, thanks for that. That's nice of you to say. It's sure. not something that's conscious. No, it's not something like, you know, we're trying to try to pump up the emotion or the, or the energy or anything like that to try to match or try to comp- compensate for what's not happening in the building. Um, you know, there's some games where, you know, not lots going on and you might be quiet and maybe the game you're watching was a game where Montreal played really well. And, uh, there was lots to celebrate and lots to have fun with. And, um, you know, you try to find a balance. Like I understand my job is to answer why explain what's going on, break down plays. And I want to do that. I really want to do a good job of that and help people understand what's going on in the ice. Uh, but I don't want to get lost. Like I want to have a little fun and I want to like be able to have a laugh and, 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 you know, not take it. It's very serious. My job, I take it very, very seriously, but you know, have fun while I'm doing it. And hopefully that comes across as well, like some form of entertainment, um, you know, having a laugh at what's going on in the ice or a guy falling down randomly or whatever it might be. Um, Cause that's how I, that's how I act when I watch hockey and that's how I acted when I played on the bench. And it's kind of the comments I'd be telling my buddy on the bench with probably more colorful language. And that's what I, you know, try to mix it occasionally on the broadcast. So um, I do have fun. That's not something that is told or forced or fake. And like, that's, you know, Muddy's great partner to work with for the most part. Uh, Dan Robertson a little bit as well. And um, you know, I have fun and it's fun when the team you're covering or calling plays well, cause then it's lots to, lot to accentuate the positive yeah, it's a lot it's probably a lot easier to do a game when it's a highly entertaining game right well that's it i mean like you know if you if you cover the buffalo sabers this year like it, it, it'd be tough every day you gotta what's your opening today i don't know we're gonna win for the first time in a month like i like what do you say <laughs> oh. what do you say here's you know, taylor hall's got two goals like what are you gonna do here's some he's back checking hard like there's only so much you can do uh when the team's not doing well so yeah if you get an exciting game if you get a good team then it definitely makes our job a bit easier. Do you have like a preparation regimen before you're going to start a game, like things that you look up uh, to get like background information or, and does it change when you're in studio versus uh, doing color? Yes. Uh, I do have regimens for both and they are different when I'm doing color. um, You know, it's, it's exhausted. It's hours and hours, you know, days leading up to it. You know, you have to watch the previous games of both teams. You have to read, or I wake up every morning, I read the articles that are around the whole league and specifically about the teams I'm about to cover. Um, then the day of the game, I'll, you know, you get the regular traditional stat pack, you dig into that. Um, I get a chance to talk to the coaches so can hear what they have to say. Um, then I'll dig into like, you know, some of the maybe analytically inclined uh, websites and see if anything pops for me or, or I'm thinking of a storyline Spirit Kakanami is going to play on the wing instead of Brandon Gallagher. You know, what's his board battle like? I have some people that I know that work for companies that we work together and I'll might fire off a request like, hey, what's Kakanami been like? And kind of like try to get some some, some numerical or, or video support for some storylines I'm trying to find. Then you got to talk to your producer and talk about all the elements that I'm thinking of. And usually I come with a list of 
whatever, 20 to 25 things per game. And then the, the studio has to put that all together. And then, then you go to the game after a nap. Always a nap, though, before I call a game. <laughs> Always. Like, I'm like a player every day. I got to have a nap. And then you call the game and do it. For a studio, it's not quite as exhaustive because, you know, it's very much game reaction. Right. And, like, before the game, I talk for 40 seconds. <laughs> That's it. Like, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm in studio tonight for the Montreal game. Uh, you know, Montreal Winnipeg game. So, like, what do you want to talk about for tonight's game? I mean, we can talk about Jake Allen going back to back. I'd like to talk about Corey Perry and how great he's been, but also I don't think he can play 18 minutes a night. So that's what I'm going to talk about. I don't have to dig quite as deep. Now I will pluck around the websites and, you know, look at the numbers just to find stuff that, that might support what I'm talking about, but not quite as exhaustive because it's not as long and it's, you know, more related to what's happening in the game as it goes along. I imagine that color is like much more difficult and I don't want to say like super high stress cause it's still sports and it's fun, but there's just a, a lot more uh, emphasis. Right. like, yeah, I mean, yeah. make a mistake and everybody is going to tell you about it. Right. Like it seems yeah. like there's a lot of pressure on color guys to get the right takes. Right. Whereas in the studio, well, you can see this, this is where I, I, I beg to differ a little bit. It is, it is way more stressful and it's way harder because it's live and it's a lot going on and you have to understand the, the nuances of broadcasting, like putting a show together while also talking to the producer while watching the game and, and ha- putting it all together. And if, if it's a nothing game, like what are we going to talk about that makes this interesting? Like that's a lot. But as far as... Um, uh, like getting the right take, I, I don't really see it that way. Um, because you know, it's one thing to say like that was a, tr- a high stick and it wasn't okay. You might get that wrong, but for the most part, whatever I say about something, it's my opinion. So it's not wrong. <laughs> it's different than yours. And that doesn't make yours wrong. It's just different than mine. And I, you gotta remind yourself of that every now and then, like, I'm just offering up my opinion. Like I played hockey a lot. So maybe I bring other elements to my opinion making, but it's no different than you or the person at home. And that's why I don't get offended when someone's like, Oh, you're an idiot. That, you know, the goalie doesn't need to save that. That's a defensive problem. Like I might not see it that way, but doesn't make me right. So I don't, I don't stress about, you know, having the right take that I don't find that part stressful. Cause not, cause it's just opinions and there is no right and wrong. It's just, you know, if you can support it, then it's a good one. Um, but it's more just making sure the show comes off clean and together. That that's the, that's the, the work or stress part. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think what would terrify me is if I like went really in on someone for making a mistake and then I see like a replay later in the day, like away from the game and it wasn't on them at all. And you're just like, you know, embarrassed that you just really hammered home on somebody. But I mean, I think with the, when you're in that situation, you could talk to them, right. And be like, sorry about that. Yeah. Perfect example though. Like the game did last week. Uh, It was Edmonton and Montreal just a few days ago. And, 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 Deneau got tangled up with dry settle behind the net. And I said on the broadcast, like, I don't think that's, you know, he got his body in front of him and they knocked him down. That's why it's not a penalty. I see the replay later, like, and it was a penalty. It was a, it was a trick. Like it should have been called a penalty. I was dead wrong there. And I was told I was dead wrong by a whole bunch of Edmonton fans. Like, Oh, how could you not? You're an idiot. You're a terrible analyst. You're a terrible player. You're an idiot. Okay. Like you don't need to say that, but like, yeah, like, you know, we're not perfect up here. I'm watching it from 150 feet away and I haven't seen the replay. And but, oh, by the way, the way this year works, I don't get to control the replays I see. So if I would, you know, in a normal game, in a normal year, I could talk and say, hey, show me that Deneau play again. Does he does he trip him there or does he not? And I would see it again before I make, I don't get that luxury this year. So I'm kind of right. calling it real time. So like that would be one where I was wrong. And I'm not afraid to admit that. Like I make mistakes all the time. Um, it happens. You can't, you can't You can't worry about it too much. Yeah, speaking of the Canadians, you cover them a fair amount. Uh, in your opinion, what's holding them back this year from being a little bit more consistent? Because it seems like they just haven't been able to get their mojo back that they had at the start of the year. Um, that's a good question. So, I mean, I think I think the goaltending when Carey Price has played has not been as good as they need it to be, as Carey Price wants it to be, as Carey Price is expected to be. He'll tell you that they were, hey, they've said it out loud. Um, so that's part of it. Um, I, I think their power play and penalty kill under Claude Julien was not very good. Um, it's had moments under Alex Burroughs that has looked better, but it's, you know, I think special teams have not helped them as much as they need to help them. Um, 
And, you know, they have the question marks coming in for Montreal this year. We're going to be like, how well did Suzuki and Kakanami adjust to being the top two guys or two of the top three guys? They're ready to take that on. And there's been moments, again, where they've been really good and moments where they haven't probably been as productive as they would like. I know all the underlying numbers for Montreal are really strong um, across the board. Jake Allen's been really good to, to fully. Like, there's all the reasons we like them. Right. Uh, but I, I think, you know, play-driving centermen, um, offensive-creating centermen are hard to find. And Suzuki's that. To know <laughs> that line's so good, it's hard to say he's not. But I don't know if he's that either. And Kakanami is not that yet. So yeah. I, I think, you know, that's why they went and got Eric Stahl. I don't even know if Eric Stahl is going to be that, you know, really at this point in his career, but um, it gives them another option. So I put all that together and that's probably what's held them back a little bit. They are never going to be as good as they showed the first two weeks. Like that was ridiculous. Like they weren't that good of a team. No. Yeah. Um, just like they were not as bad as the, the five games that they lost before Julian was fired. Like, you know, they're somewhere in the middle. I had them in fourth in my preseason predictions. So I, I kind of feel like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Oh, I, it's one of those things where I like earlier in the year, I brought up like if they'd even done like 50, 50, like had a 500 record past regulation, we'd probably be talking about them a lot. And over time, right? of course. Yeah. Over time, right? of course. Yeah. But the thing is like, it's not like they didn't earn that bad record either. Like it wasn't, that they were <laughs> losing 50, 50 games. Like you watch them in overtime. They were, they were, they've been a little tiny bit better the last little stretch, but they were literally the worst team in the league. Like their expected goals based on a couple of the websites that I look at, uh, were like, is, was like 30%. And like, it's a small sample size, but it's 30%. Okay, but, right. But you think about the overtime and, and what, like, so you think, well, goaltending matters, of course. It, well, that's a different subject. But when you're playing three on three, it becomes a much more individual game. Mm-hmm. The strength of Montreal is in the system, the five-man unit. That's why they can check Connor McDavid so well. Not because they have one guy can check them. They have five guys that can check them. But in three on three, it takes, you know, a mistake or someone to beat someone. Right. And who on Montreal, we like, that guy can beat guys one-on-one. Like is like literally like Josh Hill Anderson stars. skate real fast, but like, he doesn't stick handle very well, but he like he skate very fast. Right. So if it's not him, um, you know, could it be Jonathan Drouin? I don't know. Like, you know, Paul, he, like they don't can, have, but he can't score, <laughs> but he can't shoot. Cause he got a bad wrist. So like, they don't have players that suit that, that part of part of the game. Now, fortunate part, they don't play that in the playoffs, but you're right. You give them some extra overtime points and all of a sudden they're in second place. Which, you know, I think Toronto's the best team in the North. We can probably agree yes, on that. Absolutely. And after that, the other ones are all pretty close. And Montreal's no worse and not significantly better than Edmonton or Winnipeg. Perfect. Do you think the Canadians can, like, move up in the standings without Gallagher? Let's pretend that they don't do anything at the deadline. They can't find a fit to, for that salary. Uh, yeah, I think the games at hand are in their favor. Um, you know, they have head-to-heads still with those teams. So, you know... They're not, they're not far behind them. I guess I don't know how it, much it matters. Like True. without home ice, um, I think it just to avoid I, Toronto, right? I guess to avoid Toronto, the first round maybe matters. Maybe you'd love to play Edmonton because they've had success against the Oilers. I, I don't know, um, but I mean, if you're gonna get to the semifinals, you gotta play Toronto likely anyways in the second round. So it's one of those ones like I don't, I never won a Stanley Cup. So what do I know about how to advance <laughs> to win a Stanley Cup? I don't know, but like, you know everyone's complaining it's so unfair that whatever toronto had to play boston in the first round last year i'm like well i mean that's where they're gonna have to go through boston anyways if boston comes first you're gonna have to beat tampa then beat boston like you're gonna have to go through that team most likely regardless so yeah maybe it's nice to get confidence and win a series and feel like the year is better if you don't but if you think about going all the way the path might be to the same teams anyways so whether it happens in the first round or the second i don't know how much difference it makes yeah i would think like just based on like, if you really believe in your club, you'd want to be facing the toughest team when you're all healthy. Right. Like, well, yeah, I guess like if, you, if it buys you, that's different. If it buys you time to get Gallagher and Sherrod back up and running, then maybe two more weeks. But how about this? If we're talking about Toronto specifically, like where do you think Toronto's going to feel the most pressure this year? First it's got to be in the first round. It's yeah. got to be. If you get, if you beat them in the first round, first game at home, here we go again. This <laughs> yep. team can't win. Blow it up. Soft, overpay, premium. Like all the nonsense that people say. None of it's true, by the way. But that's what people say. If you face in the second round, that's out the window. All that they can't win stuff is gone. No series since 04. It's gone. And all of a sudden they're like, 
we feel good about ourselves. Like we've lo- we've lost that monkey off our back. We don't have to worry. So like, you know, m- maybe you know, we're splitting hairs here, but you know, I, I think there's going to be a ton of pressure on whoever. It doesn't matter who Toronto's playing in that first round for the Leafs. Yeah, I, I, my opinion of Toronto is like the worst thing that could happen to them perception wise uh, has happened in that they took Boston to seven games twice. And I think in those series, if they went out earlier, there would be less perception that they like necessarily choked it away because they weren't the better team either of those series. Like the only time that they've actually lost out against a team that they should have beat was Columbus last year. Right. It was a five game series. Like they got goalied. It happens. It happens. It's it unfortunate, happens. but like talk the, to Washington Capitals against Montreal in 2011. Like it, exactly. Talking? Like it happens. So you're hockey right. gods. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, and I, and I think the idea you're right. This this idea that they they come up small. Freddie Anderson, you know, two game sevens in a row, and he didn't play well. And like you know, there's maybe a little scar tissue there. But being around the, the guys, the little, the little bit that I have been over the past few years, and knowing them that I do, like I don't think that they they feel pressure because their team's going to be different next year. Freddie Anderson's a free agent. Zach Hyman's a free agent. Morgan Riley's a year away. Like that's the pressure. Like this group that they like is going to change. I don't think they feel that we need to answer critics kind of pressure. I don't, I don't yeah. think they feel that at all. Well, it definitely doesn't seem like guys like Marner or Matthews like stress about that kind of stuff. Things roll they off. Got their a good back life, man. Those guys got good lives. <laughs> no, I would, I would not, uh, not doubt that. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to wrap up unless Mary, did you have anything else? No, that was fantastic. I learned so much about the Canadian division. Like I said, um, I'm from the United States, so I don't always get to watch, you know, Canadian hockey games uh, since, you know, my team of choice, I guess, is the Flyers. So I'm mostly pay- been paying attention to the East Division. So it's been nice to get a Canadian, another Canadian perspective, because Andrew provides so much of it on this podcast. But it's been great to have you on, Mike. So, Mary, you, riddle me this then. If you know the Flyers, so Carter Hart. Oh, boy. I'm not going to ask you to solve what's going on with him because it, oh, there's no. probably some. Ex- <laughs> but, like, they have to, they're not making the playoffs. No. Like, the numbers don't add up. Boston's got Buffalo six times. Like, they're not, they can Ooh. probably lose four more games the rest of the year. Like, that's yeah. not going to happen. So do they do they get they become sellers, Mary? You tell me. I don't think they're going to sell at this deadline. I think that the I Chuck Fletcher had a press conference a couple of weeks ago where he said he's been like he's been on the phone with people more than people have been calling him. So for him, mm. it, at least as of a couple of weeks ago, it hasn't been a good market for them. But they're going to have to make a move. I think in the off season. I think that this season's just like you know dead in the water i don't think that they're good i I don't think they're going to be able to do anything i i'll be surprised um like chuck fletcher go out and surprise me and you know sell somebody but i don't i don't think it'll happen until the off season because like you were talking about you've got the expansion draft to worry about and like i mean i don't know if they'll pick up any player if it'll just be like draft space and all that but i think if they're going to sell it's going to be in the off season i think it's probably going to be somebody fans like and we're going to have to you know it's gut check time for flyers fans it's we're going to have to, you know, come to terms with the fact that somebody we like might not be on the team next year. Tough times. Who knew Maddie Niskanen was so important? Oh, God. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? I did not think so anymore. <laughs> no, not me. Yeah, the Flyers are in a tough spot because you look at their contract situation. They don't actually have many guys that are expiring right away. Mm, really. No. Like Michael Raffle that might have some value. I could see him moving on because he's just been there for forever. But like yeah. Voracek has three more years left at 8.25. Yeah. I don't think you're not contract getting G or Voracek, Jake out of there. I mean, if Mary's, yeah. talk, Mary's talking about, no, he's not going to be Sean Couture either. He's but oh, like, no. is, is, it, is, it, is it Travis Konechny? Yeah, Travis Konechny, Shane you know, Gossespierre. One of the, yeah, one of those could, guys yeah. I think is, I mean, you can make maybe the argument for Voracek too, because I, like you said, the, the, contract isn't great but i think that maybe in the off season when things i guess you know maybe lighten up a little bit i don't know <laughs> mike saying no <laughs> no, no. Yeah. all right but no. i think it's going to be one of like those Not guys a like cat. a ghost or a connectney that yeah. are probably gonna are gonna go and i mean chuck fletcher said that he doesn't think necessarily the mix is right with this team and i think that was for me the most eye-opening comment from him um that that to me signals that they're moving somebody and it's somebody right. that it's it is not inconsequential. It's going to be somebody like that fans like, so it's, it's tough times in flyers land. It's definitely not the season we were expecting, but I guess if you were going to have a season like this, it being a pandemic year. So, yeah. So the fans don't have to experience it. I mean, there are 4,000 fans there for every home game. So they're they're definitely feeling the heat, but it's not as bad as it could be for sure. Yeah. If I was another GM, I'd be all in on uh, connect me. 
I really I like him. As a player. I think that yeah. Konechny could move, and somebody like a Morgan Frost could maybe take his mm. role in the in Morgan the team. Frost, the son of the announcer at the Air Canada Center back when I played. Oh, Andy really? Frost was his dad, famous. Wow. Andy Frost's father, famous, massive, deep voice that I can't even imitate, was a uh, like a, a rock radio DJ mm-hmm. for a long time. Like famous growing up, Andy Frost on uh, whatever Q107, the, the, the name of the next station. And then he became the guy that announced the goals in, in the Air Canada Center we moved there. So to see Morgan there having a great run, uh, good little player. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, always... he's been injured this year, but yes. I really have high hopes for him. Uh, I, I know that he's impressed a lot of people um, in his time in like, the minors and junior and all that. So I'm, I, right. I want to look, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do when he's not injured and, you know, not in a pandemic year when he's fully unleashed. So. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this, Mike. Uh, we really appreciate it. It was awesome to talk to you. Yeah. My pleasure. Anytime guys. And looking forward to get back to Montreal. I think I'm there a couple more times this year. So, and, and hopefully the year goes off the rest of the way unhitched and, uh, and playoffs will be good. I'm looking forward to watching you on the broadcast. <laughs> all right. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. There are 18 amazing flavors of Built Bar, including nut and non-nut flavors, with six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Also 12 original flavors, which include raspberry, peanut butter, mint brownie, and toffee almond. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate and are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for any health-conscious person as you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, which makes them a solid choice for the keto diet. Take the flavor profile of peanut butter, for example. With 19 grams protein, 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. Also, for a limited time, you get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And before we get back into it, on Monday, we're going to do a four-hour locked-on NHL live trade deadline show from noon to 4 p.m. Eastern with me and Andrew Berkshire as two of your hosts. Locked on, it'll be on Locked On Live YouTube with local hosts breaking down the day, reacting to trades or not, depending on what happens on that day. Hope to see you there. And that was our interview with Mike Johnson. What a it was awesome. What a guy. Very charismatic, very knowledgeable. I feel like yeah, I learned he's... a lot from him. He's my favorite person in hockey broadcasting right now, you know, yeah. for, not just from what he's able to add, uh, like obviously he's fantastic at adding information to broadcasts and his joy of the game, but he's just so approachable, so affable. Like he's just a flat out good dude. Yeah. And seems like it from that, that interview and it, it definitely shown through and it, we talked about a lot. I mean, we talked about, you know, trade deadline, Canadian stuff, broadcasting, and you even got to talk about the Flyers for a little bit, which is always a fun time. But <laughs> continuing on with our rolling segment every every episode, we are doing a get to know you segment with the BuzzFeed quiz. So this is the last one we had on our list, but I'm sure we'll find more or maybe find a new segment to do within the coming weeks. But this one is which country should you move to? And there are 90, 196 countries in the world, but which one should you live in? Andrew, I'm excited to see what we get for this one because me too. I hope it's not our respective countries of the United States or me and Canada for you because that That'd would be, be so boring. That would be very boring. And I really hope for our sake that it's not. Um, so you have the quiz up and you're ready to go. I do. I, I know the first question is about dessert. And after hearing the built bar ad and oh boy. looking at all these desserts and we're recording this before lunch, I'm just like, Ugh. all right, I'm going to make it quick for you so we can go get lunch. Cause <laughs> I too, am also hungry and staring at these pictures, uh, is, uh, painful, painful. Agreed. All right. First question, pick a dessert, lava cake, creme brulee, bread pudding, Japanese cheesecake. That's like the Jubilee cheesecake. I just wanted to say that tiramisu pavlova. Brigadero? Is that how you say that? The like, yeah, it looks like, like a Ferrero Rocher kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sticky toffee pudding, moon cake, chocolate fountain, flan, and apple pie. I got to go with apple pie. I know it's super American, but mm. I just love apple pie. You know, I had this really good creme brulee uh, when I went to uh, Miami one time. I think I'm going to pick creme brulee. I know that's very, uh, it's so high class of me, and I'm not really that type of person, but I, <laughs> I had that creme brulee and it changed my life. So, Gonna pick that. Pick an animal. Koala, wolf, sloth, badger, spider monkey, red panda, humpback whale, lynx, elephant, hedgehog, grizzly bear, 
or bearded vulture hmm. red panda they're so <sighs> cute yeah i think i'm gonna pick red panda too because they are really cute the picture that's staring at me at this quiz is making me want to cry the best is when you see videos of them doing like their attacks and it's like oh it's just a teddy bear yeah, it's just a cute little teddy bear all right next question pick a condiment ketchup soy sauce mango chutney mayonnaise pesto dijon mustard cocktail sauce honey relish Vegemite, maple syrup, and oh, I cannot pronounce the last one. Tzatziki? Tzatziki? Okay. You don't know what tzatziki is? No, I don't. Can you oh my explain? goodness. That's my pick. Okay, All so right. it's a yogurt-based uh, condiment that is like super garlicky and with cucumber in it. You know, I probably had it before, but I never learned how to pronounce it. I'm. I'd... If you ever have Greek food, it's probably got tzatziki on it. Uh, okay. No, I haven't really had Greek food, but... Yeah. Uh... That's my pick. It's okay. fantastic. My mm. favorite by far. All right. I don't want to pick anything basic like mayonnaise, even though I do <laughs> like mayonnaise. I might pick ketchup, even though that is also basic. But ketchup goes with everything. Fries. Like, uh, I can't live without ketchup. I'm going to pick ketchup. I know that's basic, but at least it's not as basic as mayonnaise. Pick a celebrity. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I like how they put The Rock in quotes. Like, <laughs> we don't know who The Rock is if you just put The Rock in this BuzzFeed quiz. Dolly Parton. Lana Condor, Lizzo, Michael B. Jordan, Harry Styles, Melissa McCartney, Paul Rudd, Tracy Ellis Ross, Dan Levy, Elizabeth Olsen, or Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, this is tough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go Lizzie Olsen just because of WandaVision. Yeah, I'd normally I was going to pick Paul her Rudd, too. But I'm gonna she pick just her too. crushed it so hard. I got to give her some love. Yeah, same here. I really, really found a newfound appreciation for her. I mean, I always loved uh, her character in the Marvel uh, series, but WandaVision really gave me a newfound appreciation for her. All right, pick a fruit. Tangerine, banana, apple, blueberries, avocado, pomegranate, mango, fig, strawberries, pineapple, lychee, or pear. I must pick the most elite fruit, which is the mango. Uh, I don't like mangoes. I'm what? so sorry. I don't like them. I don't like them. But I'm going to pick pineapple. This podcast is over. Oh, I'm sorry, Andrew. It's over for <laughs> us. But I'm going to pick pineapple. Just to me, it's the most elite fruit. Pineapple is like right up there. It is. All right. I got my answer. All right. Who do you want go, to go first? Me or you? All right. I'll go first. Okay. I got France. You're a daydreamer who has a soft spot for good wine and romantic languages. Your friends and family have told you countless times that you were born in the wrong era, and it's probably true. What you really want is a life filled with passion, excitement, and delicious pastries. You'll find that in France. Bon voyage. You know, funny enough, I've actually been to France. I've been to Paris once in my lifetime and a school trip, and I would love to go again. Uh, so it makes me really happy to get this because maybe I'll go back one day when, you know, this pandemic stuff is all over. Well, despite you moving to France, we are still country neighbors, just like we are with Canada and the USA, because I'm moving to the United Kingdom. So we're not sharing a border, but we're, we're close. Mm-hmm. It says, uh, you're the funniest guy in, in the room and with an especially dry sense of humor. Sarcasm is your speciality. Although you may try to maintain a stiff upper lip and avoid talking about your feelings deep down inside, you've got a lot going on. You've just got to crack through that tough British exterior. Nothing a few <laughs> p- pints at the pub can't fix. You know, it's pretty good. Pretty good fit. Uh, it's my ancestral home, too. I think oh, nice. Obvious yeah. From the last name. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty uh, a lot of my family is from England in that area surrounding it. So it's not very surprising given my name, too. But nah, feels good. Feels good to be close by to you, Andrew. Awesome. Yeah. And that's all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL show as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on, t- on Twitter. We'll be back next week with some trade breakdown, most likely depending on what happens at the deadline. And tomorrow <laughs> on Friday, we'll be hosting a locker room at 1 p.m. Eastern, talk- taking your questions and talking some puck. 